Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Meeting of the Gold Mines. It's been a minute. Again, uh, Happy New Year for all those. Happy 2024. Um, for all those Laker fans, I wish we had better news. I wish we were in a better state. But um, we're going to dive into that. Um, and, you know, it's been a hiatus for us, but um, we just felt that it was time to kind of like, now that we're closer to the halfway point, trying to figure this out and um, try to give some reviews here in terms of like, what's the status of the Lakers and what can we look forward to? But I'm not alone here. I'm with my PGM brother, Playoff. Playoff, how's it going, man? Doing pretty good. It's been a little minute since we've had a moment to chat other than, you know, in the playbacks. But um, it's bittersweet, obviously. You know, uh, love talking about the Lakers, but not exactly happy with the state of the Lakers at the moment. Um, yeah. So here we are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> agree. Agreed. It's not It's not easy. Um, it's not like – and for those who are Dallas fans and Laker fans, I, I give you um, – Give you sincere condolences. That's that's all I can say. Yeah, that's a uh, rough way. That's a rough way for the season, man. That's a that's a rough way to end the season. Like extremely rough way to end the season. Hopefully, Lakers can do better. But um, Tim, we're 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 here with Tim again. If if you if you haven't seen the episode, we did one of the episodes, the beginning of the season with with Tim. We broke down kind of like Darvin Ham and and what to expect um in terms of the X's and O's. But now, Tim, how you doing, man? Like, how's it going? I, I'm doing okay. Uh, the Lakers aren't, but <laughs> heading, believe it or not, it appears they're heading in the right direction from some X's and O's standpoints, although three and seven in the last 10 games, they're now nine and a half games out of first place, four and a half games out of the sixth seed and avoiding that play-in. So if the state of mind for people joining today is like, you know, things are burning. This is bad. I, I totally get it. Hopefully I can try to sway you a little bit, but I'm not going to tell you that these losses don't count. And uh, <laughs> that's, that's the, you know, every day I'm like, do we suck? <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, you know, there's time to turn things around. We, we had the same record last year and I'd say our, our roster right now is better than last year's roster. So you can certainly turn things around, but they've, they've really got a, start hitting the gas here soon and making some moves so and and that's a good segue that's actually an excellent segue because this time last year um you know currently we are 19 and 21 after 40 games uh for the second year in a row so basically last time you know last year we were the same record um, the 2020, the 2021, 2022 Lakers were 21 and 19 after 40 games, which that's interesting. Um, in the span of that, AD missed 13 games last season. Um, and we were right here at 19 and 21. And currently that's, that's where the perplexing part is because I know we've sustained injuries. We've missed Gabe. Rui has been in and out of, of the lineup. There's been a lot of like, Fringe players in terms of like the the like rotational players that's just been not they've been they've been just in and out of the rotation like it, it just so happens you know Torian Prince and Cam Reddish are immune to that except we'll dive into Cam Reddish later but um my point is like you said that this roster is better than last seasons which last seasons are you talking about are you talking about the Russ era or are you talking about post Russ era? 
like post-trade? I'd say this roster as constructed is better than, it should be better than both of those groups to me. Okay. And right now, I understand that AD and Braun have been more healthy, but to your point, we have seen a lot of the other guys go down. And that matters too. When, when you look at how frequently the Lakers have been missing three or more rotation players, which is a lot, like that's three guys you're normally counting on. And I'm only looking at uh, D'Lo, Vincent, Reeves, Reddish, Christie, Prince, Braun, Vando, Rui, AD, Wood, and Hayes. So if Hayes gets a DNPCD, that doesn't count. If Max Lewis is injured, that doesn't count. But when three or more of those 12 guys have been injured, the Lakers are four and 11. That's a 22 game win pace. And they've played 40, about 40% of their games that way. And when they've had three or when they've had fewer than three rotation players out, they've won 16 out of 26 games. That's a 50 win, uh, win pace on a season. So when healthy, the Lakers have played well. Um, and I, I know that's, a little different from like missing just the stars. And I don't know like if, which one of those is, is better or worse, but even though those top line guys have been healthy, this roster overall certainly hasn't. And we've seen that impact like their offensive rating, their defensive rating, like from a deflections per game standpoint, when they're missing fewer than three rotation guys, they've been a top 10 team in deflections when they're missing three or more, they've been a bottom three team. So like, you know, I'm sure other teams are good and bad at that when they're more or less injured, but we've seen like very much like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde with this Lakers roster based on who's available. That makes sense. Um, And and I know it's not what the fans want to hear because, you know, do do, do you have the same sentiment, man? Like, I mean, I I definitely understand uh, the information um, and the statistics and, you know, it's like, I guess the, the confusing part for the average fan is that the last couple of years is that either one or sometimes both AD and Braun have, have been hurt. And that's just, you know, obviously that really takes away from the ceiling of this team when those two aren't available or, or even if one of them isn't available. And so <laughs> now we're on the opposite end of the spectrum where they've been healthy for the most part. And we're basically seeing something that we haven't seen where they've been mostly healthy. And then we have these, um, the, the other members of the rotation, you know, um, you know, Cam Reddish, for instance, no one, he was a bit of a question mark coming into the season. And so, you know, I don't think anyone turned, anyone thought he was going to turn into what he's turned into, which is a pretty valuable member of this Lakers rotation, regardless of how, people outside of the Lakers universe might view him, you know, cause like, I think most people are like, Oh, well it's Cam Reddish. He's not, he's not that good. He's not that impactful, but on this Lakers roster and in, in, in this Lakers rotation, he, he definitely is. And so, you know, him being out, you know, Rui's missed considerable amount of time. Uh, Gabe, we haven't even had an opportunity to really see what he adds <laughs> to this rotation um, whatsoever, but it, it's just frustrating. And I think, Again, the average Lakers fan, when when Bron or AD and when Bron AD are healthy, it's like everything's good. You know, we're we're in good shape. Like they, the, that duo has been good enough to. I mean, prior to to last uh, last playoffs, when those two played in a series together and they were both healthy, they had never lost a series. And so, you know, um, it's 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 frustrating to be on the opposite side of it now. Um, and I don't think a lot of, you know, like. People see, um, 
I guess to pose this question to Tim, it's like people see the Miami Heat and it's like, you know, Jimmy Butler barely plays, you know, during the regular season or when he does play, he's not really that that impactful as he is in the playoffs. Um, they've had issues with injuries as well. So seeing that team, you know, Bam has missed a considerable amount of time. Um, Jimmy has as well. So seeing that team able to have a consistent fight and a consistent effort on a nightly basis versus what we've seen from, you know, this Lakers team with, with AD and Ron largely healthy. How do, how do you, I guess, how do those two kind of resonate with each other or how do you make sense? How, how does a fan on the outside looking in make sense of that? I think it's a really good question. And I, I think it's a fair question just at a, at the highest of levels, looking at this roster and saying, we've got, two top 10 players, top eight, top seven, top six, don't know where you exactly you want to put it, but like we got two top five to 10 players in the NBA. They've both been healthy pretty much the whole year. How in the world can we possibly be 11th place? Like that is, that is such a fair question. And I would say that the health of the roster, you know, just beyond just them definitely does matter. And, you know, Cam Reddish, he's, the fact that he's needed to step up the way he has really kind of speaks to the situation. Like Gabe Vincent, when I was looking at this team and seeing what they could be, he was a big part of that. Like he's a off ball guard. I know he's not like a Dennis Schroeder on ball, run a bench unit guy, but you know, in a LeBron AD lineup, he should be able to space the floor decently, play good point of attack defense and just fit. And we haven't seen much of him. Uh, Rui's been missing a bunch of time and he's someone that just kind of fits. And some of those connecting pieces, like Austin Reeves, he's taken on more offensive responsibility. We've seen his defense take a, a little bit of a step back. And so there are certain lineups we can't run that we'd like to run. There are other lineups that, you know, now we need Max Christie. Now we need Cam Reddish to step in and, and get the job done. And some of those guys, I would say for huge stretches of this season, haven't been used in ways that are going to allow us as fans to see them at their best self. Like when you look at, Miami and you look at like Duncan Robinson, there are ways to use him well. There are ways to use him poorly. Like right now, he's a movement shooter. He if he's used as a stationary shooter where he's just standing still, he's not impactful offensively, or he's not nearly as impactful. And that's how we've used Torian Prince this year. Both of those guys are good off-screen guys. They should be running around flare screen and spin downs. That's what forces the defense to communicate, to pay attention to them. If they just stand still, it's good to hit. 40% of your threes, but you're not drawing any extra help. It doesn't make life easier for your stars. And so like, there's a good, you know, they use their guy. Well, we mostly haven't, although Prince recently has been used in off ball screens way more. When you look at Robinson defensively, his defensive role this year at, at B-Ball Index is as a helper. He is an off ball kind of rotating, not taking on any tough matchups. That's a good way to use him because he's not good on ball as a defensive player. And that kind of minimizes the negative impact he can have. When we look at this Lakers team, we've seen like Torian Prince guarding point of attack for much of the year uh, until recently. And like little things like that, like that's not the way to use him. Or like Christian yeah. Wood, Jackson Hayes, those guys, when you use them and drop coverage, they look like G leaguers. Like they're, they don't belong. When you switch with them or when you hedge with them, like that's what they're good at. That's what the Lakers brought them to the team. They should have known what they're good at. And we haven't seen them for most of the year be used that way. It, up until the past seven or eight games, about 80% of their pick and roll coverages between Hayes and Wood had been drop coverage, which is the wrong answer for them. And recently it's been skewed much more heavily towards what they're good at. But like 
when we talk about how do you succeed without those stars, it's by making the absolute most of everybody else you have. And credit to Miami. They coached the hell out of that team. Their scheme is good. They got guys in the right roles. This Lakers team, I see a team like with Max Christie, he had about a one-to-one ratio of doing on-ball stuff, which right now he's not good at, and off-ball stuff, which he's pretty good at. He's a great cutter. He's shooting 44% on spot-up threes. There's a good way and a wrong way to use him. Most of the year was a one-to-one ratio, which is bad. Recently, it's been like a six-to-one, five-to-one ratio towards what he's good at. So we've seen the Lakers misuse a lot of their role players for much of the year. And then recently, they've started using them in the right ways. And as the team gets healthier, I'd expect better results. But coaching, like coaching is a big piece of this. And and that's how you, like guys are in roles because the coaching puts them in those roles. And it's a weird situation where like, if they were stinking it up right now, I'd be furious, but they've mostly been bad, but right now they've been better. So I don't, I don't know exactly how to characterize it today. I'm feeling okay. But two weeks ago, I was pissed. (laughs) Yeah. No, I. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I do remember, like, I think it was like you tweeted something or you said something like, I will go scorch earth. Like, I will. Like, <laughs> what, what, what was it? The the FCON one or the FCON two? Yeah. Yeah. I remember saying that. <laughs> yeah. And you're normally pretty level headed. And so, you know, like, it's pretty rare that I see you actually get upset on the timeline, Tim. And so for you to, to, express that i was like yeah this is this is uh this is really bad it, it was bad and credit to them since i and i don't i don't want to claim you know, like there, there's there's correlation and there's causation i don't know that i caused any of this but right around when i started throwing my fit things got better <laughs> and i am hoping they didn't need to see some tweets or have tweets sent the, to them <laughs> to be like oh maybe we should look at this but like i see a coaching staff that knows ball but at the same time is like juggling too much and dropping balls and overlooking things that they should have better internal tracking on so that they don't realize like, Oh shoot, we're using Max Christie wrong. Like you should be able to see that. Like I shouldn't need to be tweeting out like, Hey, you're calling plays 40% of the time instead of 60% of the time. That's bad. Like, so credit to them for making the adjustment and we've seen them make adjustments in like eight or nine different ways over the past couple of weeks. But we got to that point and I was really upset because we were seeing things that should never be happening and you don't see happen on more experienced coaching staffs. Yeah. I, um, you know, I think most of the Laker fan base was expecting them to be a top three, you know, seed as far as the Western conference seeding is concerned. And so to go from the lofty expectations that we all had and thinking this team was a legitimate contender to, the current state of the team, it's obviously very frustrating. And, and like you said, I think it's a, it's been a snowball effect. So, you know, we had the injuries earlier in the year, um, uh, you know, depending on your perspective, maybe some bad process and, and bad decisions from a coaching perspective. Um, but then also too, <laughs> I saw a tweet from Raj last night and it, it kind of put it and and Tony and I kind of had a conversation about this as well, but, I saw a tweet from Raj from from Lakers Detailed, and it kind of put everything in perspective <laughs> about this team. So he said, um, since the in-season tournament, you know, 17 games, Lakers have been outscored by 84 when AD is on the floor. Lakers have been outscored by 120 when LeBron is on the floor. 
and the Lakers have been outscored by 94 when both are on the floor together. And so, and it's not to say that they're not as potent as a duo as they have been in the past, but I just think it kind of, it's kind of a microcosm of who this team is currently. They're just, you know, if you look at those numbers and we describe AD and Braun as being two top 10 players, you know, um, it's like you look at those numbers and it's like, it's, it's kind of unbelievable. And just wanted to get your thoughts on that. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> I, like when I, when I hear the numbers in my head as I'm reading them, you know, it just, it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute. But what what are your what are your thoughts on that tweet and those 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 statistics? Yeah, it, it really speaks to how poorly things are going, right? Like <laughs> you, we kind of expect like you know we're gonna win those minutes, but then mm-hmm. when they're both out, we're gonna lose, and then it's just a matter of like how available can they be when they're losing their minutes? Like that's a problem, and. Absolutely looking at like some of the the most used lineups since the end of the in-season tournament almost all of them have been outscored it looks like and to an extent it is some some of it is process based where like we could be doing a better job you know diff, from a def, defensive scheme standpoint doing the right things or offensive scheme wise we can be calling plays more which we know is better um we could be you know running better plays like if you run a, a pick and roll, it's going to be worse than if you run a pick and roll with like a, a pin down on the weak side, because that pin down on the weak side forces the help, the potential help defense to have a, a second job to do. And they can't do both jobs. They got to pick one. And if they pick deal with the pin down, great. We have a real two V two with our ball screen. If they ignore the pin down and they try to help on the ball screen. Great. We've got an open catch and shoot three. And so little things like that we've seen be up and down this year, or, you know, things like sequencing plays and using counters. Like if we're going to run one play and there's a specific way to stop that, that then makes it easier for us to run a second play. We got to run that second play. We can't just keep trying to, you know, put the same square peg in the round hole, even if the defense is ready for it. And we've seen those things kind of ebb and flow throughout the year. And from my perspective, I've seen like four major segments of this season. We've seen before the in-season tournament, And if you look at that stretch of games, the Lakers were much more injured than they normally have been. They were calling plays at a really low frequency compared to the standard. And from a defensive coverage standpoint, we were at that time using Christian Wood, Jackson Hayes and like drop, and we weren't using guys well. So it didn't go great. During the in-season tournament, the team was healthier. We on average had an entire extra available role player or uh, rotation player available. So that makes a difference we saw a much higher play calling frequency. And then during that stretch of games, we saw the Lakers switching and hedging and blitzing more. So they were using those guys better. So we saw a scheme on offense, scheme on defense and health at the same time during the in-season tournament. And we saw them kick butt during that. The 10 games after the in-season tournament, they were still healthy, but they were not calling plays well or frequently. They were not using guys well in coverage. Uh, this isn't part of the health thing, but Christian Wood, in eight of those 10 games had eight or fewer minutes. Max Christie in nine of those 10 games had 17 or fewer minutes. And in seven of those 10 games had fewer than, than double digit minutes. So like we weren't unhealthy, but we were benching some guys that could have added value along with having really crappy scheme on both ends of the court. And that's when y'all saw me getting pissed on the timeline in the seven most recent games, 
since around the time the staff started catching heat, we've seen the team be much more injured. Again, like around three guys missing per game instead of one, one and a half. But we've seen the play calling frequency rise. We've seen the scheme coverage usage, you know, improve. We've seen guys used in better roles. So like I am seeing recently better process, poor health. And I mean, like as soon as we get healthy, I expect this team to start winning games. But really that in-season tournament like was the only stretch of the year where we saw everything clicking into place. And another way to look at this is like this year during the in-season tournament games, we had zero back-to-backs. And we had zero games where we were missing three or more rotation players, along with running good scheme. During all other non-in-season tournament games, 56% of our games have either been a back-to-back or we've been missing three or more rotation players. So, like, these have been – we're talking about, like, two different teams, basically, from a health standpoint, from a scheme standpoint. It's bad to be losing the LeBron in 80 minutes, but a big part of that is scheme and health. And right now – one of them is right and the other one should get better. But if it doesn't, we're not going to see the results improve. Gotcha. No, yeah. It, <laughs> it, it's rough. Just, it, it is what it is. Yeah, it's rough. Um, yeah. As far as how certain parts of this rotation has been used, you know, like there was a <clears throat> there was a portion of the season where Christian Wood wasn't getting any play time at all he was just getting you know dmp'd was there anything that you saw you know and and i guess you could kind of say similar things about max christie as well from you know i know you watched the games multiple times is there anything that you saw that made that make sense made those decisions make sense yes in that both were performing poorly within their roles but it was the roles that were the problem. Like, okay. That's why if you go look at like our, I don't know what like EPM or DPM or box plus minus say, but if you look at our LeBron data basketball index that estimates players, you know, impact per hundred possessions, like Max Christie has not had a good offensive impact this season. And it's not that he isn't a good off ball player. It's that he's been used as an on ball player way too much. And so like during like right before he was getting benched he was being asked to do more than he's capable of doing and wasn't doing well with it and so they said this guy's not playing well we need to play him less which is a way to handle the situation i would have preferred and we've since seen them reinsert him into the lineup and just shift his role to actually match what his skill set is same thing with wood this guy's getting torched in drop coverage that's because he's bad at drop coverage uh like use him in something else and now we've seen them bring him back and use him to switch use him to hedge And then magically he looks better. And so I think they took a rational course of action, but it was one where they were missing a better answer from my perspective. Gotcha. And the good news is they've since figured that out. And now we're seeing both of those guys being used well. No, absolutely. Christian Wood is. Yeah. He's played really well in the minutes that he's played for the most part from what I've watched recently. I definitely was confused by the decision, especially in the last game, um, that Max really didn't get much playing time in the second half, and they went with Skylar Mays instead. You know, when Skylar Mays has been with the team, what, two weeks max, I think? Um, that mm-hmm. that decision didn't really make much sense to me. But. Yeah, I, I also don't agree with that one. I, I think Mays, 
is a better pick and roll player, or maybe he's a better pick and roll player, but like that's not really necessarily what we needed to have on the court. Like I think Max would have been a better defensive option and been more of a fit with that off ball role. So I'm, I'm with you in terms of like not agreeing with that, that specific decision. What are we looking at? So <clears throat> you basically say B ball index, by the way, I am a subscriber. PGM is a subscriber. So uh, if you want data, if you want basically to take a look at your team and your player, your uh, the favorite one would be the, the headshot plot. The, the the scatterbot it's actually pretty pretty dope this is a grip a good program i i really like it it's very informative um but uh tim just i did this for a second while you were talking uh logged into b-ball tri- did this which is the luck adjustment uh offensive rating luck adjusted relative luck adjustment defensive rating um just walk us through if you if you can just for a moment uh what does that mean because i asked you this on 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 the dm and i think the people don't know what that really means so okay yeah man absolutely and i think how i use the word luck to to apply to multiple situations may be a little confusing with data like this uh understanding there are certain things in basketball that are just kind of a coin flip it's just you know some days it's going to go one way other days it's going to go another way and you don't really control it we look at those things like for example like free throw percentage um when uh let's say you know i'm shooting free throws when tony's in the game and i'm usually an 80 percent free throw shooter but i shoot 60 percent when he's in the game he got a little lucky he didn't do anything to make me shoot worse but then when he's off the court i shoot 90 percent. that's going to make his like plus minus data look a little bit better and so looking at things like that looking at like individual player impact on opposing lineup three-point shooting. That's something we know from a lot of research. It's, it's just a bunch of randomness. So there will be guys every year and most, for most players, the luck factor isn't huge, but for some guys each year, like for example, uh, Emmanuel quickly last season, when he was on the court defensively opposing teams, like missed all their threes. <laughs> and when he was off the court, they hit all their threes. So it made his on off defensive data look, much better than it probably should have been. He's still a good defensive player, but it it made him, he was the luckiest defensive player. And looking at the other seasons of his career, we don't see that same thing. And in, in, in the, with these luck-based elements, year to year, it's just kind of random. These, uh, I think at a player level, that can be really valuable. And we use that for our LeBron data. These uh, relative luck adjusted offense, well, the luck adjusted offensive and defensive ratings are kind of looking at this at like a team level and trying to see more of like from a process standpoint were we winning or losing our minutes not necessarily based on the results and then the relative piece of it and you'll see that more if you go to displaying values instead of grades just kind of if i'm remembering correctly yeah so instead of like your offensive rating might be like 120 or whatever the relative one is going to be we see here for like the clippers they're a plus 2.35 they're two points above the norm Gotcha. But their actual luck adjusted O rating, the one next to it is 118. So that that is just kind of like basing it off of how much above or below zero or above above or below average are you is the relative piece of it. Gotcha, gotcha. So so in this case, when we're looking like and by the way, I have to scroll down because 
the team that we're talking about is not in the it's not in the top hey we're top 20 i don't know what top 20 of anything is but <laughs> uh we are right here this little guy right here i know you know I see a lot of orange and red. That's not. Good. I saw. Uh, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like at, at at minimum, if you don't if you don't understand the data, just just understand that red is not good, <laughs> red and orange is not good either. So if you if you if you lack uh, understanding in terms of like, what the numbers mean, at least look at the colors because it's not good. Like it's really not good. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we try to make it easy. Color coding, or you can look at grades or percentiles. You shouldn't need to know what a good number is in any of these. Let let the uh, the color coding and the grades and percentiles tell you whether somebody was good or bad. And uh, and and looking at this, and and I've I've looked at a lot of data in terms of like NBA stats, um, everything on Twitter, uh, your data as, as as well. My question is, knowing that we're forty, you know, we're half, we're literally like halfway there. And in our relative standings and whatnot, like I still think we can make it to six seed. We can make it to fifth seed, maybe, depending on what the top teams do. Do like the top six teams actually perform? But my question is like, I feel like it's a lot to overcome, and and maybe and maybe that's that's a, a fan perspective. And you've been seeing a lot of like I think what the five the last five games or so, you've seen some progress. Do you think the rate of progress is enough to overcome the deficiencies that we're looking at? I do if we can sustain that growth. I think it, like it's not at its final form. Like I'm not saying, hey, they fixed everything. Yeah. We're all set. They just need to keep doing it. Like they need to continue improving. What they've shown, and, and I'm saying this having tracked all of this stuff. So I'm not just like, oh, it looks like it. No, it is. Like it is getting better. Um, okay. As long as they continue like for where they are right now with the process currently they're in a place where once they're healthy they should get rolling and be winning games this isn't final form we're ready to compete for a title like to get to that point you need to still like continue improve improving for today and as long as they're now paying attention to these things they should be uh i you know looking at the standings like i feel confident we can overcome houston i feel confident we can yeah. overtake utah like there's some of these teams on here that the Lakers will be able to move past as soon as they get a little healthier. So if you're, you know, my perspective is hang tight. The process is improving. As soon as we get like LeBron back, Rui not off, you know, on a minutes restriction, like we're going to be winning games. You're going to see fewer than 40% of the games on the season missing three or more rotation players. Like if that number can be 20% for the rest of the year, that, you know, that's going to be a handful of more wins. Uh, the improved process, the process right now, if you were to sustain this for the rest of the season, it would be substantially better than what you've done for the first half of the year. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep getting better at what you're doing. Get healthier. And like, absolutely, we can see this team start rolling. Yeah, I'm seeing way that... too many like individual lineups that I feel good about and are showing like promise in the luck adjusted lineup data uh, that, you know, hey, just get those groups out there more and we're going to win a lot of games. Yeah. You, you, you've been a proponent and I think you've been saying it since the beginning of the season. I, I think it was uh your proponent of, of starting, well, not starting Max Christie, but you were very high on Max Christie, like uh, being over cam. And at this point, 
I think the data kind of shows like Max Christie should be starting at this stage. Like it's, it's kind of apparent, you know, but, uh, playoff. Uh, yeah. I think yeah. if you like make the roles comparable offensively and, and you use Max smart, he fits into that starting lineup. Like in the lineups where Max can be his best self are the ones where he's with LeBron plus either Reeves or D'Lo. And those are going to be the starting lineups. So when he can be, you know, kick it, he's the team's most effective spot up player. When he's spacing and you get him the ball, either catching and shooting or attacking and closeout, he's been the number one guy on the team. Yeah. He's been one of the most effective cutters on the team. Uh, defensively, he's played at the point of attack, which is what Cam Reddish has done. He's taken on tough matchups, which is what Cam Reddish has done. And he's performed very well. Cam Reddish has performed better, but Cam Reddish is a worse offensive player apples to apples when you like put them in the same role in a way that, you know, I think once Max is in there, you're going to see this group elevate a bit. And we have seen that when we look at specific lineups, like fourth most used lineup on the season is D'Lo, Christie, Prince, Braun, AD. You could probably use that same group with Reeves. And we have seen them use that same group with Reeves and it also worked either way. That has been a very successful lineup from a just normal net rating standpoint, but then also from a luck adjusted net rating standpoint, it's been even better than those raw results. And so we've used it when we had to use it. I think we need to start using it because we want to. And now that Reddish is out, you have a decision to make on who you're going to start. Christie's got to be that guy for me. He's, yeah. he's been way too effective when used okay. well. And it's, it's time for him to step up and show that value and, Throughout the course of the season, you need Max Christie's. You need Cam Reddish's. You need these guys that can step up when maybe you don't have your your top guys available. But I think Christie is trending in the right direction where he's, you know, making it a conversation. And I've been saying since the beginning of December, I think he's ready to start. His defense has improved to the point where he's ready to take over those reins. This might be his chance to get, you know, get in there while the scheme is cooking, while the team is hopefully able to get it healthier and you know, it's going to be hard for the coaching staff to look at a starting lineup that's probably played second most minutes on the season by the time Cam's back and ignore how well it's played. So just kind of force their hand if you're Max Christie. Speaking of D'Lo, um, D'Lo has been a very polarizing <laughs> player uh, for the Lakers uh, with the way the season ended last year in the playoffs against Denver and um, so far this season as well. Do you feel like um, D'Lo should be a member of the starting five for this team? And also, um, do you feel like he's being used? He's being put in positions to succeed. Do you think he's being used effectively, based on what you're seeing on the film? Yeah, it's it's been interesting looking at him and Reeves this year where the duo of them together, like defensively, hasn't been good. Um, mm -hmm. But individually, like looking at the impact data for both guys, they have the same offensive role as a primary ball handler. They have the same defensive role as a like a chaser, off-ball defensive guard. And their offensive and defensive impact are also almost identical. And I, like I'm looking at a lot of the individual lineup data and it's like, all right, four you know four guys with D'Lo versus four guys versus with Reeves they're most of them are performing just about the same gotcha, so okay. I don't have a I don't have a super strong preference there now we've seen 
a stretch of the year where Reeves wasn't shooting well. Like he, he's kind of started slow. And then since then has been phenomenal. D'Lo started a little slow at the very beginning and then was really, really good. He was like the LA's second best shot maker for most of the year. And then in December for a stretch of the season, he, he kind of plateaued a bit or dropped off a little bit. Um, since then he's, he's back to what he's normally doing. He's playing well. I think you can't really go wrong with either. Now I yeah. think Austin's a better defensive player uh, in terms of his like on ball defense. I understand that this is the other context in which I've used the word luck is looking at like Austin's one-on-one defense and looking at the shot quality of players he's allowing when he defends you, like how hard is your shot when you actually put it up and accounting for who that shooter is. And, and the NBA uses a data provider called second spectrum that feeds the team some info. And I was able to ask somebody and they sent the info over to me just to take a look at this specific thing. Reeves, he's actually like, he's been worse than last year in terms of, you know, the shot quality he's allowing, but the actual like shooting against him has been like way, way more than we should expect. Like 11 higher effective field goal percentage when you're shooting against him than expectations. And that is not something like for his year, for his career before this year, that the, that luck factor was like minus 1% usually shot about expected, maybe a little worse. So it's not like this is always something that's happened with him. It is something that when we look at individual players, it's super random year to year. That's why I'm referring to it as luck because I have absolutely no expectation that for the rest of the year, opponents will continue to shoot 11% above expectations against him. So like he, his defense has looked and felt worse than from a process standpoint, it really has been. And I think when you factor that in, he's the better defensive option than D'Lo. I think if you're just trying to put the best five-man grouping out there, I think D'Lo's a better playmaker and D'Lo shot better on the season from a, you know, difficulty adjusted three-point shooting standpoint. But if you're trying to build 48 minutes of lineups, I, I think throwing Austin in with those groups with LeBron. So the fact that he's a slightly worse playmaker than D'Lo isn't as impactful might end up with a great starting unit still. And then D'Lo off the bench can really just truly run the show. I think where I've seen D'Lo, I don't know, like where, where I'm from a D'Lo perspective where I think he's probably upset is more like minutes based. Like seeing these games where he's like barely playing or, he sits entire quarters. Like you should be able to throw again together a rotation map that looks a little bit more normal. You shouldn't have to have Austin play 18 minutes a row, minutes in a row, and D'Lo sit an entire fourth quarter. Like I don't know. Make it a little bit more normal. Give them both volume. You're gonna play them a little bit together, but mostly keep them separate. And I think either way, you're gonna get some good results. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so go, going going in that same vein. Um, just wanted to to pre- progress this conversation because again like i'm i'm like in my investigation mode trying to figure this season out and especially the month of december because we kind of talked about it and 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 you said it best is you know deal kind of had a weird start then he ramped it up no, november looked amazing october as well but came december and he i don't know it's just it's, it's a slump my question is like, and 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 I post this to to, I'll post this to playoff and and then we'll go to Tim. But my question is like, did the IST do more harm, or was it Darvin Ham's usage of of D'Lo? Was it just like what's the reason why we're here? Like I'm 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 seriously trying to figure this out because before the IST, this team 
looked amazing. It looked together. It looked cohesive. Yes, we were healthy, but for a good stretch of November, a good stretch of of, of October, we weren't. Like I I remember Vando wasn't even in the lineup. I remember Gabe was what played two or three games and then he was out. Like the team looked together. Now it doesn't. And it's it's like that IST was like the breaking point. And from that point on, it's like everything went to shit. Excuse my language. Do you agree with that or do you see something that I don't see? Did did we start using DLO differently or did did you like what the hell happened? Like honestly. Am I able to share my screen? Oh. I think I have it loaded up. If you can throw it up on there. Yeah. Because I've I've got a dashboard that I know there are a lot of lines on here. Let me, you know, I'm going to remove some of these guys that yeah. we're not going to worry about it as much. Um, we don't need to be looking at you. Okay. So of all of these lines, DLO is this orange one. And what this line is telling us is how good has his shooting been over time? This is basically an aggregate, like points added over expectation. So based on how hard the shots are that you're taking and adjusting for that, how many points are you adding or kind of losing compared to what we'd expect? When the line's going straight up like this, that's really good. That means he's shooting really well. This stretch from like here, let's see. So here's the start of December and here's the end of December. This is the stretch here where it was still going up, but more flat. And actually for a stretch, it went down a bit. This was his December. His October, November was the trajectory here is much better. The December, not as good. Since December, going back to what, here's his first game in January. Look at this trajectory, more straight up. So he's just shooting has been substantially better in the months outside of December. And that's adjusting for the types of shots he's getting. We can look at other guys like Reeves was starting a little slow since then he's been whew, much better. If we look at like AD, he started the year kind of slow. He was playing through that shoulder injury right here where he dipped a bit since then he's been awesome. Last game, not good. Is that of the, course. That's one game. This is the one game. Oh he, went from, <laughs> he was a whole seven points. He lost compared to what we'd expect. Oh man. Yo, that's crazy. Oh yeah. Man. If I want to point this out, if AD's scoring performance last game from a points per scoring possession standpoint was the worst game he's had as a Laker in like three seasons. And if he would have just, he scored half a point per possession. If he would have had like a normal bad game, we would have won that game. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, But like it was such an uncharacteristic game. Yeah, that's crazy drop. Down here, we've got Vando, we've got Reddish. Uh, Hayes has been about average. Hayes gets really easy shots because he's at the rim, but. He's not really overperforming on them. Here's Christian Wait, what, Wood. Where, where's where's Vando? Sorry, sorry. It's just, I gotta see this. Vando. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like this Vando, is the one dot. This is the oh one guy that's just. <laughs> gosh. <laughs> it's going steady it's down. It's going down. It's not going up. <laughs> oh. And then last last game he had a good game from a shooting standpoint. There's so a, that's him. Like the, the complete opposite of AD. <laughs> like, oh yeah. my god, bro. Is Here's LeBron. Even, is that negative? By the way, like <laughs> that is negative. Yeah. So. <laughs> Reddish and Vando are currently both negative. Oh. Everybody else is uh, – Hayes is about zero. Everybody else has been positive. Here's LeBron. He's wow. been doing – he's been the best on the air. 
Austin, actually, you know what? Austin, Austin just passed him last game. Barely, by like less than a point. So Austin mm. has been the team's best shot maker on the season. Uh, LeBron's right there. D'Lo has been the third best, but we saw that rough stretch. AD was right there in the draft. Uh, Torian Prince, of course, we saw him start negative. And then since then, he's he's been working his way up. Here's Max Christie. He was negative for a bit. And then all of a sudden, we started using him correctly. And he's working he's his way up. There. Yeah. Here's uh, So Rui had been good and then has kind of stagnated for most of the season. But that's due to injury, I think, more than it. And I, just... I think it might be. And just having that big body. Like, he's valuable. Even if he's not, like, super overperforming on a shooting, like, having that big body out there able to, to do his job, like, that that matters. Because we're seeing the Lakers have to use some, like, much smaller lineups right now without LeBron, with Rui on the minutes restricted, restriction. Getting him back, getting him, you know, doing what he usually does is really good for this team. So to answer your question, Tony, I don't think it was that D'Lo was being used wrong. I think it was just that D'Lo had a rough shooting month and it's well below his norm. And on the year overall, he's been the team's third best scorer. So, and this is for half court only. So can Transitions I, different. So can I ask you a question now, now that I'm seeing this here and, and it's a visual, it's, it's a great visual aid if I'm being honest, but isn't it concerning that your top four players at this point, and then there's like a major drop off to the fifth? Like, like, because I feel like that's a gap. Like, that's a huge, mm-hmm. huge gap because, like, that kind of spells like if Austin Reeves has, has an off night, the offensive load is basically on three players. Like, it's mm-hmm. like our offensive firepower is just not good at all like sorry maybe i'm maybe i'm speaking wrong but it's just like that's a big gap right now yeah and and understand that like if prince had started the year better like prince for since he got out of his shooting slump has been doing a pretty good job christie's trending up like it's not that these guys are all negative but there certainly is a, a large gap and we see that gap in the impact data as well like lebron and ad they're top 10 guys offensively they're, they're superstars and then D'Lo and Reeves have been about at the same level. I think Reeves has been a better scorer, as we see here, but D'Lo has been a better passer, which I also have data on. Um, but then there's a big gap to the next group. And that's where Torian Prince, I think now that he's shooting well, he'll continue to rise here and help close the gap. Christie will help close the gap when he's used correctly. But like getting Prince used more as an off-screen shooter, that sort of stuff, you're going to get more threes up because we're actively trying to create offense for you. You're not only getting shots when your man goes to leave to rotate and you're going to be more impactful that way. You have more gravity that way. Just improving his usage is going to close the impact gap and it's going to put him in more six, you know, positions to get shots up, which is going to help, you know, more volume will help close this gap as well, as long as he continues shooting well. So I think he and Christy will improve. I think Rui's underperform what we should expect moving forward. I don't think he's at the same level as these other guys, but he should probably be a little closer. Um, Christian Wood has been a bit up and down, but he certainly has underperformed what we should expect for him on the year, especially on his three-pointers, just looking at the rest of his career. He's been he's been one of the most prolific pick-and-pop pigs in the NBA the past two, three seasons, and has just not done that this year well. So there are a handful of guys underperforming that some of it's usage and role-based. I think Wood, you can complain about his offensive role as well. But some of it is just they haven't shot well, and we should expect them to shoot better moving forward. 
just because that's how how these things normally go. But if you pick any guy for a short portion of the year, like Malik Beasley last season as a Laker was only, you know, a couple dozen games, you're going to fall victim to some guys go through shooting slumps. And, you know, bigger sample size, we're going to see the cream rise to the crop, rise to the top. I don't know what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I do have a question. Um, And and one of the things that really – has irritated me about this season so far. Um, you know, AD is is probably one of the, the more polarizing players in the NBA. Um, you know, even from the Laker fan base, you know, if he has a, a bad offensive game, it's, you know, people have a lot of bad things to say about him. And so um, I feel like his what he does on the defensive end isn't valued nearly, nearly enough as it, as it should be. But just from an offensive perspective, the, the thing that's really one of the more irritating things about the season is that he's been playing really well. And it's kind of going unnoticed because the Lakers have been so bad as a team. And I just want to just wonder if you could take a moment to kind of put in perspective just how good he's been, you know, kind of looking deeper into the stats and what you're what you're seeing. What you're seeing. Yeah, for sure. And and he's been really, really good all season defensively. Offensively, October, November his shooting struggled and we see that here December and on he has just been superstar level and so overall his data is going to be hurt by some of that you know slow start to the early season and and you know that's not what you want to see that's unacceptable for for a superstar paid like he is he's playing the way we want him to play recently and when we look at the impact data if I'm remembering correctly I believe he's the third most impactful center in the NBA this season behind only Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid Gotcha. Okay. So like he's, he's up there. He's not at the same magnitude as those guys because they are the centerpieces for their teams in ways that I don't think we will see with AD as long as like LeBron is on this team um, where they're splitting that load a bit, but he, you know, especially once you account for how impactful he is as a defender, like he's right, he's right up there. And, and I think he's third. I don't think he's like a close third, um, but I, he's, he's been really, really good this year. And I'm with you that like the team success has kind of dampened what could otherwise be a lot more praise for him. Like if Tony Prince doesn't have a shooting slump and if Darwin's calling plays more often and they're using Wood and Hayes correctly on defense and like that, all of that leads to more wins. We're yeah. probably hearing more about Anthony Davis today than, than, than we have so far this season. And hopefully with that process fixed, hopefully getting healthier, hopefully the shot making normal, more normal, we can get to that point. But it's totally fair to be like, this is not someone who's being appreciated the way he should be. Um, we can't act like he's been playing like that guy he was early in the season. Sure. Yeah, if he yeah, were yeah. like this all year long, we should be having some serious discussions about him. But <laughs> but he hasn't been. He's been a superstar since then. So I can understand both sides of it. We're like, you got to appreciate him. He's underappreciated because the team's not doing well. What he's doing right now is phenomenal. But at the same time, started slow and we didn't see some of his peers start that slow. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. Um, <clears throat> as far as Vando goes, um, and I know, you know, he's coming off of the the injury that he, he got during the preseason, the heel bursitis, and kind of working his way through that. What – because when I'm looking at the game, I don't feel like Vando has been as impactful on defense – and I just wanted – I didn't know. Have you taken a deeper look 
at the his defensive stats to kind of dig into that a little bit more or um like should I trust what my eyes are seeing or is it a situation where there's like you know kind of similar to what what's been happening with Austin that you said where players are just shooting way above average what what they normally would I was wondering what you're kind of seeing from Vando defensively yeah it's a good question so in our impact data with our LeBron data this year, he's been more impactful this season defensively than he was last season. Really? And for most of the other years in his career, uh, his best season was 2020-2021. And then two years ago in 21-22, he was slightly better than he's been this year. But so far this year, his defensive impact is high. The team plays better defense when he's out there. And I wonder, let me pull up like his pickpocket rating and passing lane. I'm curious if his defensive playmaking is on the same level. Uh, okay, so that that's been worse, and that's likely what you're seeing is okay when it comes to him generating turnovers and steals on ball, he's at the l- second lowest rate of his career, and at really the lowest rate of his career um, gotcha. in, in the seasons he's played real minutes, and it's gone down every year of his career actually, which is interesting. And then with his passing lane defense, which is our stat that looks at. How often are you intercepting balls and deflecting balls, playing those passing lanes? He's uh, a good bit lower than he was any of the past three seasons as well. So he's at a career low in both of them, basically. He's still really strong defensively, and I I think he's in a good role for him, and he's fit really well and helps enable some of the switching defense, and he rotates well. So he's good at a lot of things that aren't as loud and noisy as these two things the pickpocket and passing lane defense. But yeah, we we have seen him be a step below his norm with those. Now, offensively, we are seeing him kind of continue what he did with the Lakers when he joined the team last year, which was be like a bottom five, bottom 10 offensive impact player in the NBA. And that's all like spacing based. And when we look at like the impact he has on teammates, you can just look at like, hey, why is LeBron not playing as well recently? It's not that he's, you know, running less or running, you know, less hard on defense. You can look at the data on that. You can look at like, all right, from mid range, he's fine. From three, he's fine. Oh, he's not getting to the rim as well. And he's not scoring at the rim as well. He was uh, at a, he's at a 62% field goal percentage at the rim right now over the last 10 games, right before Vando started the season, he was at 82% uh, rolling 10 games. And when you look at like LeBron's finishing with Vando on court versus off court, He's been, he shot 23% worse at the rim. Reeves has shot 25% worse at the rim. Rui, 11% worse. Wood, 13%. Hayes, 8%. When you look at how often guys are getting to the rim, AD, 11% less. LeBron, 5% less. Reeves, 3%. Prince, 3%. D'Lo, 12%. Wood, 7%. When he's out there defensively, he's doing his job and he's playing well. Offensively, he's. Yeah, he turns LeBron and AD into jump shooters. Like AD's mid-range frequency goes up 11%. Bronze goes up 8%. And so they still get to the rim sometimes, of course, but especially in the half court, it really mucks things up, which is why the Lakers running weak side action with their set plays, especially when he's out there, is really important. And thankfully, that has been on the rise. And we just saw a season high for the team last game in terms of when you run a play, is there some sort of weak side action happening? Because that gives a shooter, a job like a Torian Prince, or, um, uh, you know, you could use it with, with Reeves or D'Lo, but it also means you have to have somebody screening and Vando, it should be the shoe in to be that screener every single time. And so 
I think that'll mitigate this issue, but it's gonna be a challenge. And as long as he's out there in lineups like with AD, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I, I'd love to see him solely operate off the bench, stagger him with AD as much as possible. If he's out there in lineups with like Rui, Braun, and like Christian Wood and like a point guard, he can be a screener and roller because he's a good short roll passer and playmaker. And he can be the only non-shooter out there instead of one of two or with that reddish lineup, kind of one of three where you're, you're not feeling great about. So use him a little better. I think we'll see that improve offensively. But right now on the year, he's been the worst player he's been in his career because that offensive impact has been so, so much lower than its norm. Yeah, that's shit. (laughs) All right. Um, You know, Tim, I'll say I'll say this, man. Um, You do you do rain fire when it comes to the data and you do rain. Uh, logic and understanding. So I do appreciate you because you've you've been a good um, a good instrument to the like in terms of like informing the the, the fan base. Uh, by by the way, this is a this is a plug. Um, if you do want more data, um, Tim has the Lakers Lakers exceptionalness. Uh, uh, Tim, help me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that dashboard I was showing with yeah. the shooting stuff, and I so this season I have tracked all. Let's see how many four thousand ninety one half court possessions the Lakers have had this season, and I track did they run a play? If so, you know was it from five out, far out, one in? If they ran a play, what was it? You know who did the scoring possession go to? What kind of you know was it a spot up, a post up, an ISO? What was the result? How heavily contested was it? Who set them up? What was the lineup? All that stuff. Was there weak side action on the play? And so it's data derived from me sitting here and having to rewatch every single game and log every single play because like, I think I analyze pretty well. I think my eye test is pretty good. I've been trained in a film room. I've done that work, but you're always going to, you know, miss little things here or there. If you're, you know, it's just so hard for your, your brain to compute everything and, and, you know, all 4,100 plays or whatever. So I lean on that and that is that dashboard built off of that and the spreadsheet itself. If you want to go back and say, Hey, what did we run to open the fourth quarter against Utah? You can go see exactly what play. Um, if you join my, if you, if you go to my, my Twitter bio, Tim underscore NBA and click the link in that bio, there's a link in there to the Lakers exceptionalism podcast discord. Um, and we got to get both of you guys in there. I, th- I think you guys will have a blast if you're not in there already. Great community, lots of good conversation. As part of that, we've got like bonus pods and film rooms and stuff. But then also you can have access to this spreadsheet if you uh, get to, uh, I think it's the five buck a month tier or it might be the 10 buck a month tier, but there's a bunch of other stuff too. So check it out if you're interested in more Lakers content. But uh, yeah, give, give that a look. Give B-Ball Index a look. Five bucks a month for tons and tons of information. Um, it's stuff we use, you know, to help agents. Uh, it's stuff that a, a number of teams are paying for and utilize um it's it's some good info i like it because i take i took the same approach with that that i did when i was running our analytics in college we're like hey you don't need to go read through a spreadsheet you don't need to know what number is good or bad to be able to read through this you just need to be able to read like letter grades or percentiles and color coding and so it makes it much more accessible and easy for people who don't have a data background to understand you know are we doing well are we doing poorly in whatever one of the 500 or 600 stats we have is saying so give all that a look yes please do so again 
support the people that support us. You know, Tim, Tim, Tim is a good supporter. Um, he's, he's again, the data and everything. And I'm also part of the discord. It's just, I don't use discord that much. Mm, I apologize, Tim. Okay. It's just, it's something that I need. Hey man, it's, it's, I got 25 group chats in, 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 in freaking, freaking, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Twitter. It's, it's kind of hard to kind of like juggle all this. But I'll I'll try to make time and, and be and be part of it. I'll 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 make playoff join for sure. But um, let's let's just end with this closing and just a yes or no kind of thing. Um, are we gonna make the playoffs? Let's just keep it a buck. Yes or no? I'll, I'll say yes. I think the process is there. Get a little healthier. I think they can do it. If they don't, it's either because they've gotten much more injured or the growth we've seen from the coaching staff has dropped off. And if that's the case, I think it's time to start making some moves. Yeah, I agree. Oh, just just to add to that, what time frame do you think we do make a move? Like, because we've seen the improvement by the coaching staff, we've seen some some of the move, but how long do they wait? If, on, on the recording of this, we are less than a month away. So from those yeah. Moments, so so and I think you can make look to make coaching moves. You can look to make trade moves. I think right now the front office's stance should be like. Let's see what this roster looks like when healthy with good coaching. The only other time we've seen that we won the end season tournament. Can we do that again? If it, you know, keep the process looks good right now today. It wasn't, but it is now. If we can get healthy for the, you know, show us a week of games where the team's fully healthy. And if that team looks like that in season tournament team, maybe we're a little bit more chill, a little bit more nuanced with our trades. If not, you need to decide, can a trade move the needle enough that it's worth it short-term and long-term. And then you, you know, adjust accordingly and then from a coaching standpoint you can't go to the coaches you know a week ago two weeks ago and say hey you're doing poorly we need you to fix these three things and then fire them like two days into that like they need to give them a real chance to improve we have seen them improve and so if they were to fire them at this point i think it would be an ill-advised move but they should continue tracking these things and i certainly will and if they drop off and all of a sudden the coaching's bad again then maybe you do switch some things up so I guess that's my my stance with either of those. That, no, that makes perfect sense. Playoff. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> um, I would love to love for this team to make the playoffs. Um, I'm hoping that they do. Uh, I do think that we will. Unfortunately, if we do make it, I think we'll probably be a playing team once again, which is uh, which sucks you know, with the expectations um, coming into the season. But I, I do think we'll, I think we'll skate in through the, uh, through the plan. All right. Yeah, that, that I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think at minimum, we, we hit to the plan. I think a team with LeBron and AD, you know, circumstances with Westbrook didn't allow it. Injuries. Like I think AD at that season only played less than 40 games or something like that. So again, I think the Lakers are it's not it's not the end of the world, but it is a fuck con, whatever you want to call it. Like it's it's there. All right, guys. I do appreciate it. Please uh subscribe to the channel, share this. Um, if not, we are on playback. We are doing like show t today every uh, Monday through Fridays and also during the weekend. So I do appreciate you guys. Take care, good night. And if you don't agree with this comment below thank you very much have a good day peace peace
makes me step out the cage. We raising all of the stakes. Make no mistake. Either you stay in your place or we put in you on a plate. Look at our face. We put the fear in the dirt.